Did you know 663 million people live without clean drinking water every day? That's nearly one in 10. Let me tell you about my friends at FNX. FNX can solve all your health, nutrition, and supplement needs because they are first class in making their products so you can be at your best. Whether you're a CrossFit freak, bodybuilder, or just mom and dad making it a point twice per week, FNX will elevate your game. I have been using FNX and I feel and see the difference. The protein, delicious. My workouts, way more intense. And my energy, there all day. Try it for yourself. Visit fnxfit.com. Use code 4C15. That's 4C15 for 15% off each order. What's more, every time you make a purchase, a child in need receives one gallon of clean drinking water. FNX has donated over 100,000 gallons of clean drinking water. Make your mark today. What is going on, everybody? Pete Forsey, the podcast. Welcome back to it. Week 11, NFL, it is in the books. We have a lot to chat about there. Specifically, Taysom Hill gets his first start in the NFL. Sean Payton pulls the receipts on Roddy White. But his real feelings on Taysom Hill, they've been revealed far, far before his first start. And even before the game to ESPN, we'll dive into that. Lamar Jackson not playing as well. We touch on that and why you got to be able to pass for touchdowns in the NFL. Robinson Cano suspended for PEDs once again. Why he is a full-blown cheater and why it is very sad. Major League Baseball general manager movement. Miami Marlins first woman GM hired. That is cool. Theo Epstein, he's out as the Cubs. What his second act should look like. Why I think he will be general manager and not an owner in Major League Baseball. Cardinal fans, get ready for a harsh winter. It's been a harsh 2020. It's only going to get worse because the owner, once again, has told you how he operates. He told it to you earlier this year on 590 The Fan in St. Louis. He's been saying it for several years. We will retouch on that. We will touch on why you should not expect anything big this winter. In addition, we have some quick hitters on news around the league. That's the NFL. That's Major League Baseball. It's the podcast. Welcome back. Thanks so much for tuning in. No other place to start than Sean Payton, the New Orleans Saints. They were without Drew Brees once again. The chapter looks like it's about to close on Brees. Again, he's pretty much mum. He's taking it season to season. Probably is going to be the NBC broadcaster, play-by-play. Maybe not next year, but he's signed a contract. Sounds like that's going to be a second act. Could come as soon as next year. This is the second time now that he's been out with an injury. Not that it means that he's injury prone, but he's probably just thinking, you know, I'm kind of tired of being in the training room pretty much for half a season now, two seasons in a row. And what it did afford us was an opportunity to talk about what the next quarterback will look like in New Orleans and if it's going to be someone on the current roster. Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, it was thought to be Taysom Hill, or excuse me, Jason uh, Jameis Winston, out of the gate until late in last week, it was reported that Taysom Hill had been taking the lion's share of first-team snaps, and he sure did. 
get the start on Sunday against the Falcons. And then they won 24-9. to It was a pummeling, and he got his first W. But I, I think it goes back to this, prior to the game. Prior to the game, Sean Payton admitted that it was about this game. It's about winning this week against Atlanta, and that's why he started. And there were other reports from Ian Rappaport saying that it was because he finally wanted to get a conclusion. Is Taysom Hill the guy? I, I don't see it that way. He knows he's not the guy. There is no shot in hell Taysom Hill is going to be the starting quarterback next year or, or for the future or long term or whatever the hell you want to pull it because every sign. I, I, I really think he is just a darling of the media. And because of some comments that Peyton, uh, Sean Peyton, that is, has made about the player in his work ethic and how talented he is, he's not a starting QB. He started this week because it was a it was a novelty. He knew against the Falcons, division rival. They've had tape on players like Jameis Winston because he was with the Bucks. They know what Sean Peyton likes to do. This is an opponent that knows how to scheme against us better than anybody else. We're gonna start Taysom Hill. Because he'll be taking all the reps, and they won't know how to prepare for it because it's never happened before. And sure enough, you know, it was a pretty, you know, meager performance. He threw for 70% completion, but he didn't push the ball down the field. He didn't throw any touchdowns. I mean, it was so-so. He added 51 rushing on the ground, but while he got the job done, that performance doesn't ring true to someone that wins in the NFL in 2020. Sorry, guess what? You got to throw passing touchdowns in the league. And we'll get into Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton in a minute about how you actually have to throw the ball in the league to win football games. Hill didn't do that. I I know the Saints Twitter account likes to throw some shade at the fact that people call him a quarterback, kick returner, utility player, like whatever. It's just like, guess what? Every move up until this point... And even quotes from Peyton prior to the game has shown that he's not going to be the quarterback. You don't give $21 million for a guy to be on kick return and to handle you know gadget gimmicky plays. You don't insert Teddy Bridgewater and have him start if you think Taysom Hill is Steve Young. That's what Sean Payton said. He goes, ah, he reminds me of Steve Young. Well, why didn't he play last year when Drew Brees went down? Huh? Like, what? Wh- why didn't? Sh- why did you sign Jameis Winston to the roster? Yeah, it was one point one million. But if you thought you had Steve Young on the roster, he would be the one playing. He played him this week. He admitted prior to the game that was because of unique circumstances, trying to win this game, different game plans. Jameis Winston. I mean, he may play next week. I I, I haven't looked at the schedule quite yet, but as far as long term, this guy isn't going to be like a. 10-year quarterback. He's not even going to be a five-year quarterback. He is Tim Tebow. If Tim Tebow wanted to be Taysom Hill, he could have been, but all he said is, I want to be a drop-back passer. Well, guess what, dude? You don't know how to drop back and pass. You throw it to the other team, or you fumble the ball, or you take off running because you can only read half the field. Taysom Hill is not going to be the guy in New Orleans. Zero touchdown passes. How does How is that going for Lamar right now? The guy's throwing for a buck 80 in passing yards each game. Well, his offensive line is hurt. Yeah, okay. You're just proving my point. When conditions aren't great, he doesn't play well. Anybody can play well when everything's going well, when you have a great offensive line, when the wide receivers are healthy. What do the elite quarterbacks do? What does Russell Wilson do when he doesn't have help? Make plays. 
What does Tom Brady do when he doesn't have help? New England makes plays. Peyton Manning makes plays. Cam Newton, if he just had a number one wide receiver, where do you get those? I, I, I didn't know those were in abundance. It is malarkey. It's just amazing the excuses people will feed into these quarterbacks who, look, they're talented. They can run the ball. They, they provide a different element. It doesn't mean that it's extra valuable. It does not. There are basic requirements to play the game. If you cannot throw the football for touchdowns, I'm sorry. You're, you're not going to have success in this league. Taysom Hill, it was a great you know debut. Your team got the W, but yeah, I was left still unimpressed. So I failed to mention in our opening segment that I am in fact doing what I did last time, which is I'm going to be having a drink every time I do this podcast. I think that worked out really well. The first time had a Christmas beer on our most recent episode. Now I'm having a nice glass of wine, courtesy of Mrs. Pete, um, my my better half, Taylor. She picked out a bottle of wine this weekend and she said, hey, you know what? This is only $9.99. It's, uh, it's an organic wine. Let, let's test it out. See if this uh, Pinot is any good. And we had a taste of it. And my gosh, is it, um, well, let's just say it's $9.99 for a reason. Uh, I'm finishing it off because obviously I paid for it, so I'm going to. Um, so not, not the most uh, healthy um, drink that I've had. Um, in terms of taste or just, um, you know, nutritional, but nonetheless, you know, we're doing it anyway. So that comes as we enter into the Robinson Cano performance enhancing drug suspension. Number two, that news dropped last week. I believe it was, uh, late last week. And it's just a very, very sad development for a guy who was just one of the coolest looking baseball players ever. I mean, creamy Cano. That sweet swing, those cool tags. Like everybody talks about a Javi Baez tag and how sweet that is. No, Robinson Cano was way cooler with the tag before Javi Baez was. I'm on the north side. They like to talk about the tag. There was an entire article written about it. Robinson Cano's is cool. We never had to write about it, but I guess, you know, Baez does it. You have to write about it. Anyway, Creamy Cano, it was so cool watching him swing, the bat drop. The cool strut around the bases, batted 300, drove in 100, hit 30 bombs, season after season, left New York for Seattle, 240 mil, matched the pool host contract, which at the time, that was the largest free agent contract in history. And then in 2018, you're just, you're let down. You're let down because he uses a masking agent for his performance enhancing drug it was a diuretic and that's what he got busted for so it wasn't proven that he actually tested positive for a performance enhancing drug what he used was that his urine was dilated for you know what it appears to be a masking agent because he was using that so that's what the gm of the mets brody van wagenen or whatever his name was uh that he recently got fired that was his justification as far as uh, trading for him two years ago about in december 2018 now it just proves because he used Stanazol. Yeah, Stanazol, that's a 90s drug. That's Maguire. That's Sosa. That's Palmero. I know Maguire for sure. I know uh, Sosa as well. But that's just a 90s drug. Okay, Starling Marte used it a couple of years ago. Old school, full-blown. I'm just trying to increase my performance. I got contracts coming up. I'm trying to rebound for legacy purposes. Or in Robinson, Robinson Cano's case, I'm not getting tested in 2020, so I'm just going to... I'm, I'm going to use. Well, guess what? Testing resubmitted. 
Cano busted for the year. It's it's just horrible. It's like there's no incentive not to do it almost. In Cano's case, I don't think he's going to make the Hall of Fame because people will come down hard on him. If he does, that's ridiculous. There will be no reason not to use PEDs. Other than that, maybe you get shamed and that hurts you personally. From a money standpoint, you forfeit that year. Cano's still in the books for, for two more seasons in Queens. He gets 24 mil each year. They're going to have him play first base. They'll welcome him back because they don't want to take 24 million dead hit and not even you know have the guy hit a couple bombs at least. The Yankees tried it out, and then they asked A-Rod, hey, please retire. It was midway through 2016. But that wasn't before you know he obviously rebounded. So when you talk about just like reasons to not do it, I mean, I mean, what is there other than just getting shamed? Some people have too much pride. You know, Verlander, he would never touch that stuff. Matt Holliday, he's another one in St. Louis. Very outspoken about it. I believe Anthony Rizzo, as far as the Cubs, he said something as well as about, you know, just having, you know, integrity and, and grace for the game. So that's good. There still are good guys out there. But, my gosh, just when you think you, you have someone who's just doing historic things, he gets busted once, and you think, okay, maybe it's a technicality. Maybe you want to believe it. You listen to it. No, sure enough. He, he's just, he's probably been doing this his whole career. There's no way he gets in the Hall of Fame now, nor should he. Sad, sad day, at least last week, for baseball. Robinson Cano suspended for the second time, performance-enhancing drugs. Let's move on to the Major League Baseball general managers movement or executives, president of baseball operations, um, and, and who's leading the new teams out there. First off, Kim Ang. Fantastic stuff. More than qualified. Been more than qualified. Sad reality is, I don't know how many people knew the name before you know it was announced that she'll be the new general manager of the Marlins. She has been around for a long time. The Yankees have had her around. The Dodgers for even longer than that. She's been working in the commissioner's office. Um, her and just her pedigree, it, it's all there. And it's been for some time. It was just, you know, who's going to take a chance? on doing this, hiring a woman. Um, and there's a lot that goes into that. It, it, unfortunately, unfortunately, that's the case. It shouldn't be that way. But when you're dealing with a, an industry that's only had males do it, you hire a general manager, there will be people that don't take her seriously, unfortunately, because they do have you know that, that, that prejudice. They do have that mindset that a woman can't do the job. But she can. She's been scouting forever. Uh, graduated University of Chicago, interned for the White Sox out of the gate. It was about six years. Um, went to the Yankees. Three world championships she oversaw with uh, general manager Brian Cashman. Went to the Dodgers. Interviewed for their job. Didn't get it. Went to the commissioner's office in 2011. And she's dealing with a roster that's on the cusp of doing some really special things. Now, I know they made the playoffs this year. 2020, don't talk to me about playoffs. 29 and like 31, I think they went. They were under 500 or they were right at it. I don't really consider that uh, anything special. I know I remember watching the regional broadcast on the night that they clinched, and the local regional broadcaster is going nuts for the first time since 2003. Okay, guy, let's chill out. Pandemic year, it's nothing to write home about, as they say. But now you have Kim Ang, uh, you know, making the moves here, pulling the strings. She's got an abundance of great starting pitchers. Is she going to make some aggressive moves? Is she going to be? You know, the savvy one where she brings maybe like a, a different approach. Does she have her own ideas that she's going to institute? Or is she just, you know, like, you know, most general managers, a nice balance of this and that. And, and she goes about it. But more importantly, 
what I think is the cooler thing or the more interesting thing to keep tabs on is up until this point, Derek Jeter gets assigned the blame and the credit for each move. Remember when he took over about three years ago? I remember it was Bill Simmons that tweeted out what Derek Jeter, I guess. He gave him all the uh, the, the credit or blame for the moves. He traded Giancarlo. He traded Yelich. He traded JT Ramuto. And, and he pinned it all on Jeter. And it, it's, it's just funny because Jeter's the owner. Like, normally you don't talk about an owner making moves, maybe in football with Jerry Jones. But with the Cardinals, they don't talk about Bill DeWitt. With the Cubs, they don't talk about the Ricketts. No, it was Theo or Hoyer, or it was um, or it was uh, uh, Mazalock. But for some reason in Miami, just because he was a former player and people know his names, it's all assigned to Jeter. Well, is it still going to be Jeter's move, or is it going to be Kim Ang? And is it going to be that way when it's good or it's bad? It's just going to be interesting to see because up until this point, everybody writes home um, on Jeter's account. So I, I don't really understand it. I uh, I think it will be transitioning to kim ang if you ask me and as it should she's the general manager but michael hill was the general manager under the years of jeter so it should have been like that from the get-go but the second one theo epstein now stepping down you know i know bill walsh keeps getting brought up because that's something that theo has referenced multiple times as far as 10 years 10 years and out you know after 10 years your message it grows stale i think the better comp here is bill parcells Bill Parcells always said in building things. That's Theo Epstein. He built this championship roster for the Cubs from the ground up. It was 2011, tore it all down from the minor leagues, the baseball operations, up to the big leagues. And yeah, then he got to the maintaining stage after a, pretty much a quick turnaround. It doesn't become quicker than this. 2016, they were not supposed to be that good. They were supposed to be a contender for sure. 2015, they got into the playoffs and it was, it was a bit of a surprise. They won 90 plus games. People thought it was probably still a year or two away. They won the championship in the first like rookie years of, of all these guys. Russell, Baez, Bryant, Schwarber. I know some of these guys were in their second year, but I'm just saying it was fascinating that it took shape that quickly. And when you're the toast of the town, when you do bring a championship to a team that hasn't won it in 108 years, and you got a guy... Who, who put in all this work in over a five-year period, it culminates you know, up to the top. It's kind of just like, what, what else is there to prove? And I'm not suggesting Theo let his foot off the gas. He probably just didn't know how to do it. And the players, I mean, what edge are they going to have? So they shake it up. Now, Theo, I, I think it really was a situation where he probably did feel best about stepping down. And it, it doesn't really come as a total surprise. I think the people that cover the team knew this was coming. And when they got that news on their phone or email, because most of these journalists, they actually get the email notification straight to their inbox for Major League Baseball or the the team itself, probably wasn't all that surprising. To the casual fans, probably like, whoa, Theo, out. Like, what? Jed Hoyer's going to take over. They'll be fine. Chris Bryant, probably going to get traded if you were to ask me. Probably go to the Nationals, maybe to the... Uh, or the Mets or some other team that the uh, that needs a third baseman because Chris Bryan, he's been a name that's been out there available for a little bit. Theo is pretty uh, transparent about that. Bryan was pretty transparent about that last offseason. So there's a good chance him and his $18 million plus salary could be going elsewhere. But Schwarber's another one to keep an eye on. I always thought he could free up their outfield pretty easily, get another bat in there, uh, low cost, free up some playing time uh, for another promising hitter. But 
nonetheless, they're in good hands. Hoyer's going to make some good decisions, I think, and still field a very competitive team out there in the NL Central. But for Theo, it's a situation where when you hear that he may want to run a team, I don't really get that impression. Because what would he benefit or what you know would he like about owning a team? Your former job was president of baseball ops and general manager where you pick the players. Isn't that what you would just want to do if you were an owner? Like, is he more interested in the business side of it and running a franchise? I, I don't really think so. No. I mean, that's all that that's the fun in that area. It's only if you want to make more money, if you want to funnel money through the baseball organization to give to your other ventures. So maybe he wants to do that. But he's been a guy. His father was a uh, teacher or still is a professor at the University of Boston, I believe it is. His grandfather was a sports journalist. He, he likes the romantic side of baseball. He's interested in actually the competitive competitiveness of the game. I don't think he really cares about just extracting cash from it to do elsewhere. That's what that's what you get in ownership with any sport. You either want to use it for money to funnel to your other ventures. Two, you just like, love the game and you want to own a team because you love sports. That's what Cohen is doing over in New York and Queens. I don't really see either of those being on the table for Theo. I think he wants to work in the commissioner's office. He maybe want to be commissioner of baseball. That's what I could see. He's only 45. He's won two championships, and he's 45. That's the likely route I see. Commissioner of baseball, Theo Epstein, down the road. For many of you, you probably have had to adjust a lot of things for 2020. Perhaps you lost a job. Perhaps you have to teach kids um, from home, or perhaps you have to take care of a baby. I guess for most of you listen to this, maybe if there's any parenting going on, it's in the uh, baby stages. But nonetheless, 2020, maybe you lost a job, less money around, your, your routine's just off. One thing that Cardinal fans should get used to is a longer, harsher, different type of offseason in 2021. Because the way things are going now, and with what President of Baseball Ops John Mazalock is saying, is there won't be a whole lot of money spent in free agency, which is not always the most prudent way to go about business, but also in the offseason, not only is there free agency, there are trades, and it's the reshuffling of the 40-man roster. we got the Rule 5 draft coming up here on December 10th. There will be prospects that will be left unkept to the 40-man roster and will go to other teams because they claim them and if they stay on the roster the entirety of the season they are that new organization they can simply claim them it's the last day of the winter meetings that's going to be coming up here on the first week of December following the break um, uh, this week with, with, with Thanksgiving so not a whole lot of movement right now with Major League Baseball But it's just a sad, sad development. One thing that is just never said by the St. Louis media, I have no problem saying it because it's right in front of everyone's face, is that Bill DeWitt clearly puts down a mandate on payroll. He has constraints to President of Baseball Operations, John Mazalok. Mazalok is handcuffed in a sense. He'll never say it because it would mean giving up his job. Michael Gersh, if he has any say in it, it's still a limit for him. They have payroll constraints. DeWitt on 590 The Fan, like I mentioned uh, last time I did this podcast, he said that he doesn't believe baseball is profitable. The owner of the Cardinals, mid-market team with big market revenue, says baseball is not profitable. 
He has said, quote, I don't believe in windows. I don't believe in $200 million payrolls. This has come out of his mouth. It is clear. It is in plain sight. The guy has his limits. Just contend. I don't need championships. Give me a healthy franchise. I'm listening to The Edge, a podcast about the Houston Astros by Ben Ryder, who is either formerly or was with Sports Illustrated. He hired, uh, or excuse me, interviewed Jeff Lunau, who was originally hired by Bill DeWitt of the Cardinals to run an analytical baseball operations or assist John Mazalock in that regard. Because like Lunau is from like Enron or, you know, some, some brainiac thing that I don't know about. But anyway, it's just like all he said was efficient. Make my operation more efficient so I can have better value, get the same result, less money. It's a sad deal because... It's billions of dollars and it's just going to other ventures. And, you know, you're just, you're not getting championship caliber teams all the time when you got the money to do so. When the money's sitting there, it's sitting in the vault, it's sitting in the bank. You could spend it on players or you could keep players under contract. You could extend them for below market value, but you give them millions of dollars so they're satisfied. But it just doesn't happen. It's it's all about emptying the tank as far as time investment. For someone like, say, Colton Wong. Colton Wong was given every opportunity because he was under contract for for $12 million. That was a guy they did give money to. And that was, you know, a good ploy. But when you continue to give him opportunity in the 2016, 2017, 2018, oh, and then 2019 he does well, and then he's back down to who he was in 2020, those seasons were just so underwhelming. There were so many opportunities to improve the club at second base or improve the lineup, but instead it was just give it bats to Colton Wong, 600. Give it bats to Colton Wong, 500. People gave Mike Matheny crap for not playing Colton Wong. Maybe he was on to something. He's not the best player. Yeah, he, he plays gold glove caliber defense at second base. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's just something you need, right? Gold glove second base? No, you need a hitter. This is 2020. Everybody needs to hit. You cannot have just an automatic out. Right now, the Cardinals have that not only at second base, but with Yadier Molina. He didn't hit this year. Every ball on the ground is an out. They're going to bring him back. It's it's sad. They, they got Dexter Fowler, who they continue to give at-bats for. They got Matt Carpenter, who I, I defend that signing, but he's an automatic out. Paul DeYoung, they signed him to a contract after, what, a year in the big leagues? It's just like, what are you doing? Some of these moves, it's just like, I I don't agree with them in the sense of it's just too soon. Like, I I don't hate the player, and I don't think they're invaluable. But I just wonder, is this John Mazalock believing he's doing the right thing here or saying, oh, my gosh, I know I can extend a uh, free agent offer to a really good player? because my owner is saying I can't do that, so I guess I'll just sign Paul DeYoung because that's what I can do to field a competitive team. It's getting to that point. I, I just don't believe that they, they open the wallets for for reasons that are behind closed doors but that, that aren't being said, but really are right in front of our face. It's been said by the owner. I don't know, I don't know what to tell you, Cardinal fans. Um, it'll be a competitive team. I know the team went to the championship series two years ago. Um, they let their cleanup hitter walk. He went to Atlanta. You could sign him again. Marcelo Zuna had a major bounce back year. But, I mean, now it's just the market's cooled, right? 
Mazayak has said payroll is going to go down. So Cardinal fans really don't know what to tell you other than that it sucks. Um, this is what the fan base has to deal with, and uh, we'll see how 2021 goes. So we are about an hour and 15 minutes from Monday night football here. We got the Rams and the Bucks. I'll be sending out Pete's picks, who has just been um, – I've just had a dreadful week 11 here. Just been awful. I really need this pick to hit. Um, I had a buddy text me or call me last week saying, I've actually done pretty well. I guess I got some fans out there tracking what I put out there each week. Pete's picks. I picked the score of the game. Each matchup, all 256 of them. Uh, I tell you the score. I tell you what's going to happen. You should look at it. Uh, win yourself some money. Apparently, I've been doing pretty well up until this week, I, I believe, because you know what I said was going to happen. Uh it certainly did not yesterday, but you got to look at the whole picture, okay? Look at tonight, Monday Night Football, Week 11, Bucks, Rams. I'm going to be tuning into that one, but before that, I'm definitely going to do some, just some rapid fire uh, takes here. I'm going to look down at my phone, and I'm giving, giving you my thoughts on what I see here as far as the news. Now, the big one that I'm looking at here on Monday, November 23rd, is that the Rays, reported by Mark Feinsand, Major League Baseball reporter, MLB.com, He's saying that the Rays are open to trading Blake Snell. And that's like one of those things where it's just like, okay, yeah, they're open to it. It's not going to happen, though. He's making $12 million next year, and then $13 million, then $60 million. It's just like there, there's no way the Rays get a pitcher of his caliber, Cy Young winner, at half the price, literally half the price of what a ace rotation starter takes. That's like 30 to 35 million. That's what Garrett Cole makes. That's what Zach Granke makes. That's what Clayton Kershaw makes. The Rays don't get that unless they give them at a half price when they sign them to a long-term deal at that young of an age. Now, I know the Rays, they probably had a hit with the pandemic and they got a slash payroll still, but you don't do that with a guy like Snell. That's not happening. The reason you sign him to a contract of that nature, that friendly deal, is to keep him. That's why you do that. And then when they're in the final year of their deal, that's when you trade them like they did with Shields, like they did with um, David Price. I know Shields was a couple of years with the Royals, but they did get Will, Will Myers in return at the time. Obviously a big-time prospect. Um, you know, Snell, I, I mean, I just don't, I don't get why you do that. I mean, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think the Rays will. They just uh, they were just in the World Series, and, and you need a guy like that if you want to make it. Um, SEC postpones Arkansas-Mizzou. Mizzou will play Vanderbilt instead. Yeah, I mean, just what a what a dreadful way for the SEC to kind of finish up their season. It's just, I mean, you're getting postponements left and right because you got kids. I mean, they're going out. They're, they're college kids. They're going out. I mean, they, they just are. You're in college once. You're going to go out. Uh, if you're the football team, obviously you're, you're the big guys on campus, especially if you're just a, a, a bad team. You're going to go out to a party. If you're not chasing a championship, what incentives do you have? You're going to go out. So people are going to get COVID. And, yeah, it's kind of – I mean, I'm, I'm kind of out on college football already. When the games are canceled, it's kind of hard for anybody to be in. Mets won't hire a president. Um, that's Sandy Alderson, New York Mets. They are not going to hire a president of baseball ops. Alderson says he's going to be more involved. General managers, the hire that they're – that they're going to go. I don't know exactly who they're going to look at. Will they get an experienced guy or will they hire from within? I feel like David Force, especially if Billy Bean leaves. 
I don't know if he has interest in taking over Oakland. He's probably just like, if Billy's out, I'm getting the hell out. I'm going to go to New York, play with some real money, field a real championship caliber, caliber team. I've been doing great with Oakland. I take that knowledge, combine it with the financial flex that I get with Cohen and Alderson now. David Force, general manager, New York Mets. That's what I'm thinking. Adam Thielen on the COVID list. He'll play. This happens all the time. Stafford was on the COVID list. He'll play. Probably doesn't have it. Even if he does, all you got to do is test negative twice, I think it is. Twice uh, consecutive days. You can play because I guess your contagiousness goes down. I still haven't had COVID. We're here in November and knock on wood. Knock on wood. I still haven't had COVID. My roommate just went to Arizona, so maybe he's transferring it to me. Maybe I'm in the incubation period, as they say. But so far, so good. Uh, Ingram and Dobbins, they have it. So they'll be on the uh, on the men for the Ravens. Joe Burrow. Ugh. You just feel for him, don't you? That's, that's what always people say like all the time. Like You just feel for the players. I mean, you do. But at the same time, I'm not like one of those guys that's just like... The, the reporters always say, well, first off, you know, heart, heart's out to the player and his family. It's just like, okay, guys, it's an injury. It's football. It happens. I don't feel the need to say that every time. But, yeah, I mean, tears his ACL, tears his MCL, significant injury. Is he going to come back? Yes, he's going to come back. Players have the formula to come back from the ACL, from the MCL, unless you are not diligent in your rehab, unless you are not – in tune with what your body needs to make a full recovery, which is possible. Some guys just feel like they need to be monkey see, monkey do from their trainers. No, you got to be in charge of your body to do this. Um, but I think Burrow, he's shown the character. He's shown the disposition to be that type of player, just like uh, Tua was, just like um, Alex Smith was. I know these aren't the same injuries, but I'm just saying when it's of that significance, you look at the character of the young man. Are they going to put in the work? Is this going to be their number one priority every single day? Are they going to think about getting better? Yeah. Joe Burrow? Absolutely. Number one overall pick. Leader of men. Teammates rally around him. Guy was a a walk-on, or not a walk-on, transfer from Ohio State to LSU, learned the playbook. He's a starter? Yeah, I got no doubt. It's not like he, I mean, it's the, the guys you get worried about are the ones that have character issues coming into the NFL. They were partying too much. Then they tear the MCL. Then they shred their ACL. That's a guy you worry about. Bro, no, he's going to be fine. Field of Dreams, Chicago White Sox, Yankees, back in Iowa. That was set to be played this past season. I think it was the Cardinals and the Cubs. Not happening now. And then final one, Derek Carr. Yeah, he had a good game last night. But the Raiders, what they don't have, they do not have number 15, for the Kansas City Chiefs. That guy is the baddest dude in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes, half a billion dollars, half a billion well spent. This is why you do it. He covers up the warts. I didn't mention him earlier in the podcast. I should have, but I'll end with him. Patrick Mahomes elevates the players around him. That's why he's an elite quarterback. When conditions aren't perfect, he can still make explosive plays. He can still generate Huge plays. Lamar Jackson, he can't do that. Cam Newton, he can't do that. Tua, he can't do that. (laughs) I know everybody loves these young quarterbacks. Kyler Murray, there's nothing better for the media than a young player because young people relate to them. They they talk like young people. They do young people things. It's great. But guess what? 
the ones that are obsessed with winning, the ones that are, are curious about the intricacies of the game, Patrick Mahomes is, Tom Brady has been, um, Russell Wilson is, Drew Brees, obviously, those are the guys are the ones that elevate their game when players around them aren't that good or are injured. Patrick Mahomes showed that on the final drive yesterday evening against the Raiders. The Raiders outplayed him. They outplayed him the entire game. What happened? Patrick Mahomes happened, and he's going to be doing it in Kansas City for 10 more years. Congratulations to you, Chiefs fans. Appreciate everybody listening. Thank you so much. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the podcast. But before you go, remember, Pete's Picks, Week 12, early week. We got three games this Thursday. First one kicking off at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. That's going to be the Lions game. Then we got the Cowboys down in Dallas. That's the middle game ending with the Steelers and Ravens. Three games on Thursday night. Look out on Twitter for Pete's Picks. And remember, subscribe, review, five-star review. That's what I appreciate. Leave a comment. Always love those. Have not been pushing those hard enough. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell anyone. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. I appreciate you. We will see you next time.